In a world where it seems totally normal to listen to a podcast about the Toronto Argonauts, it's the X's and Argos podcast. Welcome to the X's and Argos pregame walkthrough brought to you by Funny Bone Broth. My name is Ben Grant, joined as always by JB. We've got a huge matchup to preview for you this week. The Toronto Argonauts visiting the Hamilton Tiger Cats Thanksgiving Monday. JB, before we get into an overview of this game and everything else that we've got to cover, I want to address the fact that <laughs> it sounds to me like you are coming to us live from Red October uh, with the constant beeping going on in the background. Do you want to uh, explain to the good listeners what's happening here? Sure, a little, little peek behind the, uh, the curtain of the uh, prestigious world of podcasting. Um, in my apartment building, the basement apartment has a CO2 measurer uh, that apparently needs a new battery, but the basement apartment doesn't currently have a tenant. So it is nicely locked away behind a door and it has beeped every 15 seconds uh, for about five days now. And I am going to call the fire department tomorrow to have them axe down the door if my landlord <laughs> does not fix it. Excellent. So that's some 6,000 times a day you have to hear the beep. I got to imagine it's taking a toll on your sanity. But, well, uh, luck luckily, we're not in the time where you're inside a lot. I don't even hear it anymore. So my, my apologies to the listeners out there. Hopefully that's not the most interesting segment of this podcast. Let's uh, move on with things. So ton of a uh, ton of uh, stuff going on this week. We've got transactions to talk about. There are injuries, key figures potentially coming back. We've got OCDC, one thing, and of course, our score prediction. Let's get started by looking at the game as a whole. JB, this is potentially an East deciding game if the Argos win. That's the way I see it. You've got to be with me on that, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at, we're getting now into the close to the, the back end of the schedule. Uh, we're up one game on Hamilton. If we win this, we're up two in the win column. You look at our schedule and Hamilton's schedule coming down the end, they're almost identical. I don't think there's any way Hamilton makes up two games on us. So if, if they win this game, I think we're at, I think they're absolutely in the driver's seat for the one seed. So, uh, you know, I think it's, I think it's the biggest game of the season by far. Yeah, no question there. And if Hamilton does win, that suddenly makes the rematch back at BMO Field the most important game of the year because that game will then probably decide the outcome of first place in the East. Yes, and then we can address what what the crowd makeup will be for that game. Um, but <laughs> yeah. I think it, you know, but one thing at a time. But I think getting the one seed is huge. I think obviously the Argos have shown. Um, more success at home so you know we want that playoff game at home 100 percent. yeah way more success at home they haven't they haven't lost at home well technically in years but they they're undefeated at home and it's been night and day the argos amazingly for a first place team have a, a negative point differential uh, but it's because of those road games where they just get their doors blown off every time they they travel somewhere ex except that opening game in calgary and at home, it's it's the opposite. They get out to a huge lead, and you know have let teams sort of rally back late. But they've they've easily won 
every home game, even if it, the score didn't reflect that at the end of the game. Whereas, yeah, the road's been a very different story. So for the Argos in particular, home field advantage throughout the playoffs would be massive. Let's talk about some of the transactions that we had this week. So uh, unfortunately, uh, Kendall Wright uh, was released earlier this week, wide receiver, who we had thought was a really good gamble on the Argos part. When the signing was made way back in the offseason, you refer to it as a lottery ticket, as many of the signings were. Some of them worked out really well. Guys like Oakman, for example, who came in and, and was that same sort of lottery ticket and has been excellent. But some other guys haven't quite panned out. And here we're talking about you know Bishop Sankey and, and some of the other running backs that, that came and went. Uh, Kendall Wright is, is among that group, a first round NFL draft pick. They wanted to see if he had anything left and unfortunately not enough. And so, so he was released this week. I was sad to see it. I really liked him as a player in college. I liked him in the NFL. And so I was hoping we got to see a little bit of that Kendall Wright magic. But as we kind of suspected pretty early on when people from the States who had been watching him at their various different camps, whether it was Minnesota or Arizona, were basically just saying, no, it's, it's not there. So yeah, Kendall Wright was released. <clears throat> And the wide receiver room is as deep a, a position as we have on the as the Argos have on the team, and uh, I I just didn't see what he provided. If, if those guys come back healthy, they're all going to provide what he provides. So I, I it was it was worth tire kicking, depending on you know, if, you know is Breskison coming back? You know what's up with Rogers? But I, I think that uh, he he didn't he he obviously did not seem to be like a, a a significant improvement of what we had in the room. There were three additions this week, and I don't know if we'll see any of them for sure on the game day roster. I suspect one, but just so uh, you know, we're recording this prior to the release of the depth chart. We don't know as of yet uh, who the starters are going to be for this week. Let's go through these transactions. So the first addition, uh, Junior Turner, which is probably the, I don't know, maybe it's not the biggest high profile because we got Fabian Foot in here too. And so it's kind of a, I guess, probably a tie between those guys. Junior Turner, a very productive player in Calgary, played there for nine seasons. Calgary drafted him back in, in 2011. I think he was a second round pick, if I recall correctly. So nine really productive seasons, ended up with a knee injury in 2019. He's a defensive tackle. Uh, just a, a professional, knows how to play football, looked great up until obviously the injury, uh, you know, knocked him knocked him out of things. But he's won two great cups. He's from Toronto, and I know the organization loves doing that. So he's a guy that I think will be in the lineup very soon if needed. I can't see that happening for this week. It's just too, too quick a turnaround. And plus, we've got guys like Coney Ely coming uh, off the injured list probably, and we'll get to that in a later segment. So Junior Turner, a, a nice depth piece, and if things do go wrong, then you've got another defensive tackle that you can turn to with experience, a, another reliable veteran. The other move, uh, sort of, you know, uh, I guess with the same sort of uh, hype and attention is the moving of Fabian Foote from the suspended list to the practice roster. So that means that Fabian Foote has reported and he has cleared uh, and he is now practicing with the Argos on the practice roster. I don't expect him to be an addition to the lineup yet either, 
But again, we're talking about another defensive lineman, another guy who has had some very productive seasons. I really liked him in 2019 in Montreal. This was the signing I was really excited about in the offseason. And I had projected him to be one of the starting defensive tackles in my, I think it was my first depth chart of the season. So a guy that I do expect to make it onto the field once he's up to speed. How soon do you think we see guys like Fabian Foote or Junior Turner, JB? Uh, I, I agree with you. I, I don't think this week uh, we'll talk about who we, we, we do think is up. I think both those guys probably not this week. Then there's a break after this week to get those guys up to speed. But this, you know, terrific. I'm sure Coach Jones had, uh, you know, had some input on, uh, on bringing in a veteran D lineman like that's, you know, I'm sure that's the kind of player that he wants to have uh, running his defense. And we both like foot. And I think it's great, great depth. You know, um, I'm all for it. And the third transaction is probably the, the well, it definitely is, is the, uh, it comes with the least amount of fanfare. However, is going to be the guy that I think will be on the roster this week. And that's uh, Maxime Latour. Uh, who has been signed off of Ottawa's practice roster. So Latour is a long snapper. And while he hasn't had a ton of playing time in the CFL, he did dress for three games with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in 2019. He's been on Ottawa's practice roster. He's He's been a long snapper. He is a true long snapper and was with uh, Les Verriers de l'Université de Sherbrooke. And then as in his time in the CFL, he's been a backup long snapper. So... Now, JB, why don't you go through why you can dress a guy like him right away and not necessarily Fabian Foote or Junior Turner, who are way more experienced? Well, I mean, I think you probably could start, in truth, Fabian Foote. I mean, you know, defensive line, if he's playing inside, I don't want to say see ball, get ball, but, you know, there's not as many moving parts on the inside defensive line. Um, So I think foot could i just imagine he might not have his fitness level where it needs to be long snapper makes sense you can't you can't you know you might have guys on the team who can do it in a pinch but you can't muck about with that you know you need those snaps to be crisp and professional i i i i'd hope that they would steal one off the practice squad i think that makes absolute sense to not to not try and get cute with, you know, well, our middle backer can do it too. It's like, no, let, let the professional do it. And, uh, and you know, let's not have that part of the game be a worry. Agreed. And I wasn't sure there was anyone out there. Uh, you know, I hadn't scoured the uh, practice rosters. And, I you know, I didn't I didn't know of Maxime Latour before we made the signing. I had to look him up. And, uh, and I was very pleased that Toronto was able to get hold of an actual long snapper. I think that's great. But, yeah, they could have been in a position where there just wasn't anybody there. And then you have to go ahead with with Hoyt and Kassar. And like you said, you don't want you don't want to have your middle linebacker, especially those guys who are out on the field. And, you know, Kassar is so useful in every other special team, even if he's not out there at, at linebacker. And Hoyt you know, did a great job uh, playing linebacker last week. So you just don't want those guys going from playing these defensive snaps and, you know, breathing heavy and heart rates at, you know, 150 and suddenly they've got to go in long snap. It's just not an ideal setup. Let's talk about some of the injuries for this week. So the injury news, it, it's it's been weird because this hasn't been a normal week of practice. There's so little time between games going from a Wednesday game to a Monday game. And so the Argos have, have really kind of been doing a series of, of walkthroughs 
and it's hard to get a real sense of where everyone's level is at, but we can kind of go through where they're listed. So I think the guys that are full are interesting. So you've got Nick Arbuckle, who is full. He was dealing with that hamstring injury. He's been out the last couple of games. You've got Robertson Daniel, who's been recovering for a long time now, but he is again full practice. Uh, Coney Ely, who's had that arm injury, he's been out for a long time. He is now full. And uh, Cordero Law was listed also as full, but you know we, we know he played last week. Um, he was out this week, non-injury related. He's fine. I expect him to play. Let's talk about those other three guys. The Coney Ely, I, I think, is going to be in there. Robertson Daniel, I think, will be in there. And the big one, I think Nick Arbuckle starts at quarterback against the Ticats. Agree or disagree? Yeah, I think, you know, with my trademark expression, all hands on deck, I think it is all hands on deck. I think that this team knows this is it. This is what this season has been building to. Uh, they've got uh, time off after the game. If a player is full go in practice, uh, I would be shocked if they didn't play in this game. Because what you know, what in essence, what what are you saving for? This this is the day you're saving for. Um, so it makes sense where maybe a guy was ready to go against Ottawa, and they're like, no, let's just wait. Um, you know, our buckle is the quarterback of this team. The, there is no doubt that they have made an investment in him to be the quarterback of this team for the future. This is it. This is this is where we're going to... It's an absolute important stage for him to be on. I would be uh, blown away if he was not the quarterback out there. I think that those guys... I think all three of those guys uh, start for the Argos, definitely. And in terms of the did not... Uh, didn't practice uh, John White again, and I don't think he's he's going to be dressed this week. Uh, Jake Reinhardt, we, we know, will be out. Uh, Drake Nevis, uh, who has a back injury following uh, the, his first game back, which is really unfortunate. And now, fortunately, it does coincide with Coney Ely getting healthy. But man, it would be nice to have everybody healthy all at once. It's I'm, I'm so it, we're, we're lucky to have the luxury of so many guys that can come in and play. You lose Drake Nevis. Oh, well, here's Coney Ely. Like that, that's great. But I would love for one game for the Argos to be able to walk out all of these guys on the defensive line. That would that would that would be nice. Yeah, I mean, you could tell the difference with Nebus in there last week. Um, You know, he is he's a huge human being and he really helps you solidify the middle. Um, You know, that that's that's a loss. And white is a loss. You know, we, we talked about I don't know. You know, it's, I'm surprised that they haven't gone searching for a running back. Maybe they think White is due back after the break. Because um, it's a lot, you know, task of DJ Foster. That's not who he has been, like a 25-carry guy. Uh, so I think it's I think it's risky, to be honest, giving him that many carries. It's not, it's not really what, what he's built for. It reminds me of... Um, your 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 guy Gio Bernard being thrust into that role is like that, and then he got hurt because you know I, I so I hope that they can find somebody if White is not a go, um, because that that's that's definitely a huge that's a huge injury. I was really hoping White would be able to play this game. It was really odd last game. We talked about that before, so I won't spend a lot of time on it. But it's just so strange to dress only one running back. I think it's, it's such a such an unusual move. Four fullbacks and one running back. And I think we'll probably see that again this week unless they 
unless they're ready to to activate uh, AJ Wallet, but they haven't really shown the inclination to do that. So I expect just to see Foster out there. Now, Nevis could play. We don't know for sure. We haven't heard about the severity of this injury. Not practicing for a veteran like Nevis uh, at the position, position that he plays, I don't think by any means rules him out. But it's just something that you should definitely, it, it, it sets off alarm bells, let's say that. And then the other guys on the list, Cam Judge, Juwan Breskison, we know that there's still some time away. Matt Boateng uh, with an ankle injury probably doesn't go this week either. Uh, but he hasn't really been been seeing the field too much. And maybe with the return of, of Robertson Daniel, um, maybe he wouldn't be out there anyway. I'm not sure. So this, uh, you know, that's that's probably the most significant injury news on this side of the ball. When I talked to Marshall Ferguson on the scouting report, uh, about some of the Hamilton injuries, uh, some interesting things came up. And if you haven't had a chance to watch the scouting report, you can find it on YouTube. You can also listen to it. It should be listed um, on your favorite podcast app as well. So with Hamilton's injuries, this is going to sort of tie into our next segment. We won't officially go to the OCDC segment music yet, but just t- talking about their injuries, I think the biggest one probably has got to be Frankie Williams, who I don't think is going to play based on him not really having practiced all week. Uh, JB, this this is a pretty big deal, isn't it? Yeah, it's huge. I think that we saw when we played Hamilton, his his special teams returns were were a huge weapon. So if if they don't have that, I, I think that, that that is that's a great plus. I think that really that really narrows down how Hamilton's gonna be able to score. And I think I'm the only, one of the only people that really likes him as a DB, but I, I think he... Yeah, he's I think good. He's, he's good. Yeah, he's scary as a defensive back. And, and I don't think that gets talked about enough. He gets talked about as a returner as though that's all he does. But he's a really good defensive back. So yep. I think that's a, that's a big loss to that team whose defense has been playing so well. All right, JB, let's get into it. OCDC. I'll start first as the Hamilton offensive coordinator... My plan is really simple this week, and I think it is the way you have to game plan against the Argos almost every week, but I think that Hamilton actually has the offensive pieces to do it quite well. I think, first of all, you absolutely have to be able to run the ball. You have to establish the run against Toronto. Toronto has shown some vulnerability there in recent weeks, and while Ottawa didn't really get it going, they're Ottawa. As the Hamilton Tiger Cats, you have to be able to run the ball at least respectably against the Toronto Argonauts. If you can't, then there's trouble. So you have to dedicate yourself to be able to run the ball. The second part of this is RPOs and play action. That has to be part of this game plan too. The Toronto defense has shown that they are willing to play that bend don't break style under Coach Jones, and they will set that umbrella pretty deep. And if you can have some success running the football, drawing those linebackers on RPOs, on play action, there's a giant space in between where the linebackers now are when you're ready to pass and where the defensive backs are standing. And so there's all sorts of room, mid-range, over the middle, out to the sideline. And I think Jeremiah Masoli is a quarterback that can make this stuff work. He ran all sorts of stuff like that in college. We've seen him do that before. He can, and I, and I, don't, I don't need him to do the running himself. I think he's, he's fine handing the ball off. But he can make those RPO decisions and get that ball out quickly when needed. I think that would be my entire game plan. And usually the flaw in this system is that you're asking a quarterback to string a 11, 12, 13 play drive together. 
But I think Jeremiah Masoli is a quarterback that can do that. I didn't think Caleb Evans would be able to do that last week, but it's a very different thing. If Hamilton is going to go anywhere, Jeremiah Masoli has got to play better than he's been playing, and he has to be able to string these long drives together, take what Toronto's defense gives him, and use that play action. JB, what do you do with Hamilton's defense as their defensive coordinator? Uh, Hamilton... I think it'll be interesting because the two quarterbacks are really quite different. So I think they'll probably assume that Arbuckle is on. Um, so the book, I think, on Arbuckle is pretty straightforward. Uh, you don't have to split his deep ball. Uh, I think that you can you can force him to throw deep left and be okay with that. And you can bring more heat uh, with that because basically you can say, look, if you want to throw that deep, you know, that deep corner to the left, we're going to give it to you. But uh, I, I don't think, you know, so I think that they're going to uh, sit on those underneath routes, you know, those DBs uh, in Hamilton looking for looking for Rez to jump, especially maybe something thrown to the outside in that wind box that doesn't quite have the gas to get there. Um, and I, I would be shocked if they didn't bring tons of pressure um, to really force Arbuckle to, to get rid of the ball quickly. So I think it'll be a really compressed... Um, strategy. I don't think they're worried about running. You know, I think as long as you beat up White, or sorry, beat up uh, Foster coming out of the backfield, um, passing routes, you know, I, I didn't understand why Ottawa didn't. You, you know, you just can't let him free release. Like, you absolutely have to push him around and get in his face and reroute him when he is releasing. Um, so I think they don't fear Foster as a 18 carry back. Um, so they're coming with heat. I think it's going to be a, incumbent upon Toronto to try and back them off because at home in that win box, man, we, we saw last time. It's, it's just not a good recipe for, for, what, for what the Argos do. So I, I would imagine they're just going to come back with the same game plan. The way you're describing it, I'm picturing a lot of halfback blitzes from the defensive right, like yes. from the blind side, basically. 100%. And just say, yeah, like, we're going to give you that, you know, because we don't think you can hit it. Now, how big a deal is it? Like, what? how kind of, how big an advantage is this that they have to prep for two quarterbacks? Because they need two separate game plans. They can't come into this game only having prepared for Arbuckle. Um, uh, well... It, it's hard to say. I mean, I, I would say that largely they'll take their game plan from the last time they played Arbuckle. Um, you know, I think that you would, you know, you, you'd back off the heat on Macbeth. And really with him, you're waiting for him to make a mistake. So it's a little more patient defense and a little more daring him to throw deep balls into your coverage. Um, so I, I don't I don't think it's a radical difference because it's not like one guy, one guy. Where, where you run into a problem with a defensive coordinator is if one quarterback runs and one quarterback throws. Um, both guys throw ones underneath, ones deep. That's not that's you know that's shifting two to three. That's not shifting one to five. Um, you know I think th- I think that'll be fine. And they'll try some stuff with the jet sweeps and you know I I think that it'll be. Uh, as a defensive coordinator for Hamilton, that doesn't bother me at all. Let's switch sides of the ball. So now for Toronto, as the Toronto offensive coordinator, there's one thing that I'm looking at here, and I'm assuming Frankie Williams isn't playing. I really want to attack the field side. I think that a lot of Coach Dinwiddie's 
uh, stuff that he runs. Uh, a lot of the a lot of the concepts that he runs. Uh, he loves the trips combos. Uh, there's some really nice zone beaters, and especially stuff that's in pretty tight. Uh, we've seen. I've talked about uh, flood routes uh, pretty extensively over the last couple of weeks, and in that video piece that I did recently. I think this is a great time to use them. Short floods to the field where you don't have Frankie Williams there and you just try and take advantage of what they'll give you. And if they're giving up those flat routes, that's fine. Take those flat routes. That's what Arbuckle does well. Now, one other key to the offense is going to be convincing DJ Foster that when he does run, he's got to cut it up the middle. I think Hamilton is going to be playing aggressively to the outside. They've seen DJ Foster inclined to bounce it to the outside now he didn't always last week late in the game he kind of sealed the the win for the argos with two big carries right up the middle but that's unusual for him if he has an option especially when they're especially on zone runs and and he has a chance to to take it to the outside he will and i think that the middle is there i think that's what hamilton will give you because they're going to be pressuring those outsides they know where foster likes to go and they're going to try and cut him off there and force him back in i think foster has to take the initiative and blast inside himself so inside run game from foster field side short concepts from nick arbuckle that's my plan that uh, reminds me not just foster but i would say one of the things that i yelled at the tv the most for any team when I'm watching games is, is running backs not reading their block. And, you know, those poor offensive linemen are out there and, you know, you can see the lineman's numbers and, you know, cut it in. He can't, he can't block that guy. He's barely keeping up with them. The outside guy's just waiting to, to swallow you up. Like, you know, read your block. <laughs> he's, he's ready to make the block. Help, help your offensive lineman help you. And the reason this happens, though, is because for their whole lives, these speedbacks have been able to do it, right? Ever since they first put on a football helmet in Pop Warner, they've been able to outrun people to the sidelines, turn it up, and get a huge touchdown. They did it in Pop Warner. They did it in middle school. They did it on the JV and senior and all the way through college. And then suddenly they get to professional leagues, whether the NFL or CFL, and you've got the situation now where the best athlete on the field is playing defensive end. And I get it too, because look, I know inside is where the bad man live. So I get that too, right? I mean, there's also preservation. There's no future in letting inside backers hit you a hundred miles an hour. So you got to make your choice, but like, and you know, if you're out by the hash, you can get there. You can get a few more yards without necessarily getting lit up, but I understand the balance. Let's go into Toronto's defense, JB. How do you draw this up if you're the defensive coordinator for the Argonauts? Uh, Coach Jones looks like he's got that defense looking for uh, scores, which is fantastic. Um, I I don't respect Mazzoli, and I you know unless they have a time machine. Um, you know, 2018 he was amazing, but that was a long time ago, and. I would I would bring heat nonstop to Mazzoli. I would I would basically just constantly challenge him to make decisions quickly. I know he's a veteran quarterback, but he's a veteran quarterback who doesn't have tons of confidence because he just has not been you know, he just has not been a CFL all star level Mazzoli. And he's got a guy 
you know, chirping at his heels, who, who's going to take that job back. So there's a lot of pressure for him. I know he wants to keep this job. I would absolutely not let him read things and make decisions that would make life uncomfortable for him like I would uh, a young starting quarterback. So I'd love to see them bring secondary heat, uh, more twists, more stunts, empty the book on, on, on Hamilton, especially in Hamilton. Go get him. F- force him to make plays uh, quickly and immediately. Don't give him time to think. And if he runs those RPOs, who cares if you bring in six guys? Run an RPO all you like. I think the danger with that plan, if you pair it with that uh, Coach Jones umbrella, is that with all that space, if you do get the ball to one of Hamilton's faster receivers, there's a real danger that they can take it a long way. Well, I mean, I'm not talking about like, you know, engage eight or or punt block, Um, but I'm talking bringing five. Yeah, like I would bring five a lot. I I would I would give them a different look. You know, I would I wouldn't I wouldn't do umbrella against Mazzoli. I think he's under a lot of pressure. He wants to win this game. He wants to earn his 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 job back. I would turn that clock up in his mind and not because I don't think I think if you get him running, he's gonna throw picks. And we have the secondary to to, to grab those picks. Shaq Shaq will just eat in in you know uh out there if if we can if we can chase Mazzoli down and not let him just sit in that if he sits in the pocket it's a problem i i think it's a problem i think he you know he, as much as i said i don't respect him he still has the ability to be one of the best quarterbacks in the league so let's not let's not give him a chance to remember do you game plan for Brandon Banks at all, or is he old news in your mind? Because I know he hasn't had a great season to this point, and I'm still waiting for it to happen, and maybe it will never happen. But to this point, he's the fourth most productive receiver on Hamilton's roster. I know he's missed a couple of games, but in five games, 22 catches, 172 yards, hasn't got a touchdown yet, has only got one big play. Do you, do you scheme for him? No, I mean, if, if that time machine is a two-seater... Maybe, yeah. you know, and both those guys come back. So, you know, we'll deal with that. But other than that, no. Like, I, I didn't respect him last time, and then he didn't show anything. I mean, again, you'll get you'll get jets from him occasionally and, you know, a little bit. But he's not I, – I just don't think he's going to be – he's not worthy of game planning for. I don't, I don't think so. I think you – you know, keep an eye out for a screen to him for sure, especially if you're bringing heat. But that's, that's just basic defensive calling, right? Like – screen is the first club out of the bag to try and slow a team down. Um, so, you know, look for that bank screen and then oof, clean them. It's time for one thing, JB. My one thing is pretty simple this week. I would love to see a pass from Toronto, and I'm assuming Nick Arbuckle here, that travels over 30 yards in the air. I think if you complete, <laughs> and, and it's not just, yes, and it has to be completed pass. So a completed pass over 30 yards in the air, because I think that one thing sets up everything else. And this can't be this. I, I should put a couple qualifiers in here. This can't be in garbage time. This can't be desperately trying to catch up late or two seconds no, left in the half. Early. Yeah. I want to see in the first quarter, Arbuckle complete a pass of 30 yards or more in the air. And even, you know, it's the same thing. If it if it's McLeod Bethel Thompson that's playing, I want to see the same thing. An early deep ball that's completed is going to set up the rest of the day and everything else will fall into place nicely. They have to fear that deep completion for everything else to work. So that's my one thing. Let's say first quarter, deep pass, 30 yards or more in the air. What's your one thing, JB? 
I, you know, we, we got my, my fill of pick sixes last week, so I was happy about that. Um, I guess if there were one thing, and, and this is a tough ask because White is out, if, but if there were one thing that I'm still looking for from the Argos is a rushing touchdown. Um, it was a weakness in 2019. It's not been a strength so far. Um, I would love, and and in truth, there haven't been tons of opportunities. Like we we tend to score like these long bomb touchdowns, and uh, you know, like there just hasn't. There, if you watch the games, there's not a ton of red zone action. You know, like we're just scoring these touchdowns from the 50 yard line or not. We're kicking field goals. Um, so I'd love to see. That I'd love to see a different kind of offense where it doesn't need to be a 50-yard pass or a 40-yard pass, but that we can get into that red zone. And when we're in the red zone, you know, we can get it in. I think that's a, a weakness, and I'd love to see a rushing touchdown for sure. Prediction for this week, I'm again going to go against my preseason prediction, which is is almost always a mistake my preseason predictions well we both had the same ones but we were we're excellent so far in our preseason predictions we have i believe only missed one i think we're now we eight and one from our preseason predictions but this one preseason i had pegged as a hamilton win i had both hamilton home games as uh losses for the argos and both uh, uh both games at bmo as toronto wins but I'm going to go against that. I just think the Argos are a better team right now. I think they're playing a lot better than Hamilton. I'm going to try and ignore the fact that Toronto is a whole different team on the road and just hope that they can find a way to get it together. Because when you watch these two teams play, there's no question in my mind, Toronto is a better football team. I think it's going to be tight, but I think Toronto wins 22-20. Um, yeah, I, I mean, Hamilton on Thanksgiving is a tough ask. Uh, that crowd will be loud and full of chicken and alcoholic beverages and you know that that is a tough place to go in and get a win uh, but we did win in calgary and that's no joke you know that's not easy season opener so i am also going to reverse and i think the argos win 28 21 I'll, I'll I'll take you to one of those. That sounds sounds fantastic. That will just about do it for us on this episode of the pregame walkthrough. For JB, this is Ben Grant saying so long, and may all your pre-snap reads be good ones. I'll see you.